Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Pastor Drew Ritter. Pastor Drew, how are you doing today? I am much better than I deserve, Grayson. Thank you. (laughs) Well, uh, Pastor Drew is here with us today, and uh, first let me say that Pastor Drew is the pastor of uh, Livingstone Church of the Nazarene in Verona, Virginia, and uh, he's here with us to share his testimony today. Pastor Drew, just start out telling us about where you're from and a little bit about how you grew up. Sure. Can I start with something else first, though? Yeah. Can I have just just say something about Grayson? You have been working so hard to get me here. It's been several years that we've been working together to get in here, and I have known Grayson since he was just a wee tot. And <laughs> as far as humanity goes, Grayson's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, very special young man, and but uh, particularly your patience with me. Uh, I have to be completely honest with you. You've called me a number of times to get together and chat. And honestly, I just didn't feel like I had anything to say. I just think I've lived my own life, and I think my life is boring. <laughs> and so, you know, compared to the stories that lots of people have, and I've sort of been convicted, actually, when you asked me this time, that maybe there are other people who think their stories are boring, and they're really not. Right. Right. And so I agreed I'm still not sure that I have anything to say, (laughs) but but I do thank you for the invitation. So I grew up in Harrisonburg, local family, actually seventh generation to live in Harrisonburg. So we've been in Harrisonburg forever and uh, grew up going in a family that goes to church, unless we didn't. And, uh, (laughs) um, you know, nothing against my family because believing people believe in Jesus and, you know, it was a good good way to grow up. Grew up wholesome and, you know, here in Harrisonburg was pretty safe and uh, went to church most of the time. Knew all of the Bible stories, you know, all the stories that you teach kids growing up and thought I was pretty okay. I went to church as a teenager because the girls were there. I mean, let's be honest. Why does any teenage boy go to church? (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. But I did. There was a girl there that I was fond of. And so she and I have been married 25 years That's awesome. now. So, um, you know, it was good. Went to church a lot, like I said. But I really didn't get it. I remember being aware of the Holy Spirit when I was pretty young and not really getting it. But just being aware that there was something else going on in the world than just what we could see. And... I may be jumping in deeper than That's you had in mind, but when I was 14, my family made it pretty often, took vacations to the Outer Banks when I was growing up, and there was a time on the beach when I was around 14 that I, well, funny story if you give me a minute, the, <laughs> my dad liked to fish in the surf, and so he was fishing, my brother was fishing, my mother was looking for shells, and my job was to watch the car. In those days, you could drive an SUV pretty much anywhere on Ocracoke. You wanted to on the beach. And so I laid out in the back of this big SUV with the windows open, and I was just looking at the sky and listening. And this sounds really corny, but listening to the ocean, I just 
felt a close presence of God that I had never felt before. Like, you know, sometimes you, you sense the presence of God is there in a more powerful way than usual. And sometimes, hopefully you can all vibe with what I'm saying. You, you sense that God is right there with you listening to your prayers, and sometimes you feel like your prayers bounce off the ceiling and you're all alone. But there have been a few moments in my life where it felt like God was so close that I could hear Him breathe. And that was the kind of moment that I had. And the sense that I was getting was just acceptance. It was just welcome. Yeah. You are mine. You belong to me and I love you. And I just, I just kept thinking that. It wasn't audible per se, but I just kept, I listened to the waves and I just kept feeling that and that I want you, I love you, I want you, and be with me. And I, I just really got just overwhelmed by that, and I was kind of lost in it for a little bit. And then the vehicle rocked real hard to one side <laughs> because the surf had come in, and a big wave undercut one of the wheels of the car, and it leaned. And this wasn't audible, but what it felt like to me was, all right, now get up, we have things to do. <laughs> And, you know, I don't know, like I said, that wasn't the words, but that was the feeling. Was that, okay, now, are we going to do this thing or not? And uh, from then on, I was kind of looking. And I grew up in a church that meets in a really remarkable piece of architecture. It's a large stone, Mm -hmm. gothic building with huge stained glass windows, three stories tall. And I had just been there my whole life. I just knew it. It was just part of my life. And to be just blatantly honest, about 1415, that Mm -hmm. same summer, after this thing happened at the beach, I was sitting in church on a Sunday morning worship service, bored. And I have no idea what the pastor was talking about. And that's nothing against the pastor, because I loved him dearly. He was a wonderful man, and he loved me. But I just wasn't picking up what he was giving out Mm -hmm. that day. So I was just looking around. And I looked behind me at one of those three-story stained glass windows, and it is a depiction of the resurrected Jesus. And there are nail marks in his hands and his feet, and his arms are out, reaching out, and he's got this amazing look on his face. I don't know how somebody does this with stained glass, but it's, it's just really an amazing piece of art. And the light was coming through it just right. And I, I'd seen it my whole life, but I had never seen it this way. And I turned around, I looked at it, and I looked at it hard, and I realized that his eyes were looking right at me. And after the service, I stayed in and I moved all around the room. And I realized there's nowhere you can go in the sanctuary that his eyes are not looking right at you. And his arms are held out. And so I got the sense that the message that I was getting, the you belong to me and I love you and I want you, was for everyone. And it was also just for me. And it changed something in me that I, I got it, but I also wanted everybody else to get it. It was just a really powerful moment. And I would love to tell you that from then on, it was a straight line right into ministry (laughs) and marvelous, amazing things. But that would be false witness. He had some things to teach you on the journey. There were lots of things to learn. You know, if <laughs> it's funny you would put it that way. If, if I were to come up with a depiction of my spiritual life to this point, it would be like somebody trying to get a donkey to come in out of a thunderstorm that didn't want to. <laughs> Does that put a picture in your mind of what my life has been like? Mm-hmm. Like, the Lord has led me to places that I would have never gone and taken me through things that I would have never chosen for my own good. And he knew that it was for my own good. And yet I have fought 
and bucked and kicked and pulled back and argued, and I've always had a better plan. Yeah. But he, <laughs> but he was always right. He was yeah. always right, and I know that. And still, there's just something in me that wants to pull back and say, wait, 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 I have this great idea. Bless my great idea, mm-hmm. because I have a great idea. And the Lord, I'm sure... I've never seen his face physically, but I'm sure he just folds his arms and grins and says, all right, I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, he's good at that. He, that's just the way it's been. And that's the honest way to say that, is that's what I've put him through, is just constant. You know, and being raised in church, and I raised my own kids in church, and I love the church, and the church is good, and I think that when God blesses us with children, it is our responsibility to bring them up in mm-hmm. the ways of yeah. the Lord. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But there is something about always being in church and always having, for several things, always being exposed to the scriptures and the love of God, and also always being surrounded by a family of believers mm-hmm. that we can really take for granted those things. Mm-hmm much more easily than someone who has not had those things. People who came up in a much different life and have lived perhaps a much darker part of their story are much more aware of how light the light is. <laughs> Whereas you've, I think those of us who have always lived in the light really don't get it yeah. in quite the same way. And so for some of us, <laughs> we fight it because we don't realize what we have. Truth, yeah. And so I think I've done that. And like I said, I think we should bring our children up in church, but there's we need to be better at finding ways to recognize how good the good is. Yeah. So that we don't have to go so far away from it to recognize how good it is. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I've done a lot of that. <laughs> and uh, as I got, that was, I, I told you about my mid-teens, uh, this incredible experience that I had with the Lord. And from then on, I've always felt the presence I don't think I've ever really, I mean, you get closer, you get farther away, but I've always felt the presence, but there were times that I made my own way. Mm-hmm. I just had my own plan, and I'm going to do it the way I'm going to do it, and Lord bless my plan, because it's a good plan. So I didn't I didn't pursue ministry as a young adult at all. It was the farthest thing from my mind. But was that something on that day in the church where Jesus would not take his eyes off you? <laughs> Which he doesn't, by the way, you know, that's really cool. Did you think that was a part of, because it went from being about you to everybody. Mm-hmm. Was that the beginning of a call? Now I think so. Yeah. You didn't probably see it that In day. the moment, I didn't see it. No, I didn't see it that way at all. And I thought that, I've never actually tried to word it this way, so if I can think with my mouth for sure. a minute, which is what I do most of the time, I think I had plans to be a really good guy from that moment Mm -hmm. forward. I had plans of being a good churchman, maybe serve on the board, and, you know, always wash the car on Saturday before taking it to church Mm -hmm. on Sunday, do the church thing. Yeah. And that's not to slam on the church thing, but that's all that I thought I was going to do, was just be a good guy and go to church. And maybe, you know, clean up my language a little bit and not look at things that I shouldn't look at and not go to places I shouldn't go. Right. And to a degree that served me. Uh, the Lord used that because I never went through a season of full-on rebellion. Yeah. I did some pullback and I, I softened, you know, backed off a little bit from what I felt like the Lord was telling me. And I, I did. I pursued a secular uh, vocation of uh, studied architecture and graduated and became an architect for a long time, 15 years. Uh, 
worked in architecture. And, you know, through all of that, going to college, which unfortunately is when a lot of young people really will say yank the chain on their faith. On their parents' faith. (laughs) Well, and that's true. On their parents' faith. I'm not saying that they don't have faith, but sometimes we're raised that that is the thing to do because it's what our parents Exactly. And I thank God that I had my conversation with him. It wasn't really a conversation, but I was just, whatever you would call that moment that I had prior to going away from the shelter of my parents' world. Because I think if you don't, I heard it said really well somewhere. Somebody famous said this, and it's great, so I'm just going to steal it. God has no grandchildren. We are all his children. You cannot inherit faith from somebody else. They can teach you about it, but it's not yours until you accept it directly from him. And so I just thank God that I did that prior to leaving because I think going to a secular university, even, we're not talking about last week here, but even then, it was, um, it's a grand, well, you go to a secular university and everything is about you. It's all about your performance. It's all about you have to show yourself and prove yourself and make sure that everyone notices you and how good your scores are, how good your designs are, how good your brain is, how well you can speak, all of these things. It's all about you. And we wonder why in the West we have this ladder climbing culture, but that's what we teach. It really is what we teach, is you go out and make the most of you and make sure that everybody sees it. And so I think, for me, I just know me well enough to know if I had gone there without first experiencing the presence of the Lord, I don't know that I would have recognized it. And so in that opportunity that I had, and it was uh, an opportunity, I probably put my faith on pause, but I never put it on rewind. Mm -hmm. I just put it on hold. And I wasn't angelic. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't perfectly behaved, but I never turned away, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I never said, all right, I don't want this. I don't need this. I just kept saying, well, I'm going to hold on to Jesus right here. I'm going to put him in a little box off to the side. And when I'm ready, then we'll go back. So, you know, the problem, I also read this quote today. The problem with missing church is before long, you don't miss it. Um, <laughs> I got pretty comfortable still believing and, and I would still pray even. I had a prayer life, but there was no interaction with the body of believers. And it just wasn't a part of my life. I just didn't see the, I just didn't see that I needed it. And uh, fast forward some, I graduated and I was able to get a job in the architecture field actually before I graduated from Virginia Tech, which in 1995 wasn't happening. Um, So it was pretty rare. Like nobody that I graduated with went straight into a a job working in the field. I was the only one in my, of my set that graduated that year, um, which was great. And it was in Philadelphia. So you've got this person who's lived in Harrisonburg until I lived in Blacksburg, which is very Mm Harrisonburg-like. And now Philadelphia was a total... I might as well have been on the moon to live in Philadelphia. It was totally different in all ways. And I completely stuck out there, which is kind of another little story, just kind of silly. Uh, I had spent all of my time much of my time in college trying to create a professional persona. So to speak like an intelligent person and look like an intelligent person. Now, I grew up in Rockingham County. Sorry. So many of us know what that means. So I had tried really hard. I worked at it to get rid of all of the local country ways of speech. And I moved to Philadelphia and 
I went uh, wonderful growing. The firm was growing really fast and they were hiring people really quickly. So they had lots of young people and lots of interns and most of them were from the Northeast. So I got there, I got to work and pretty soon one of the first things they said was, do you say y'all? And I said, I beg your pardon. And they said, you know, y'all, do you say y'all? And I said, do you mean y'all? And they said, yeah, 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 say it again, say it again. <laughs> you got to say it again. So I discovered something. I didn't actually recognize this to this level at that moment. But I realized that God made us who we are, right. and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Right. And our life experiences build into us. I was incredibly popular there because it was different. Yeah. And it was, I guess for them, a breath of fresh air because I wasn't from the city. And I didn't have city thinking. And fake it as well as I could, I was still a country boy in the city. Yep. Which, actually, fast forward a little more, actually turned out really good. My, uh, I'm just going to keep rolling if yeah, that's okay. That's great. My boss in that job, he had, it was a pretty good sized firm, and he was one of the managing principals of the firm. His name's on the door. And he came to me at the end of my first week and invited me to go to church with he and his family which even back then, you just don't do. That was just not done. And we hadn't talked about it, but he just asked me. He said, if you want to come, and he had drawn a little map to where the church was, and he had drawn a little map of the inside of the church where his family sits. What an and architect. He said, yeah, it's totally an architect <laughs> thing to do. And uh, he said, here, so, again, just saying it like it is, I went to church, Collingswood Methodist Church, to impress my boss. That's why I went. Get a leg up on for all the other kids that worked at this firm. And, wow. First day, I got in there. And I had forgotten how much I loved worship, singing. I had forgotten how much it did to me to sing. So, they sang a number of songs. And it's, it's pretty traditional church. So, it was the same kind of music that I was accustomed to out of the Methodist hymnal, which is mm -hmm. theologically very rich. Right. And loved it. People were very friendly. Again, just to be totally honest, not at all the way I was told people from the Northeast are. The stereotypical, no, these people were really warm mm -hmm. and really sweet, and they loved the way I talk. <laughs> the fact that I drove a red four-wheel drive pickup truck in Philadelphia was kind of stuck out. Unique, yeah. And I just got swept up. In that, well, I, I released the pause, let's say, and I realized I had been missing something. And so my boss was part of a men's Bible study, and he invited me to come to that. And at that point, I wasn't trying to impress my boss. I really wanted more of what these people had. I was in a church community where clearly the people were on fire with the Holy Spirit. They were excited about God and wanting God to be at work in them and around them. And it was really a powerful and refreshing moment for me as a young person living in a new city by myself to be instantly welcomed and loved and included and encouraged. So I started going to this Bible study with these men and not very long into this Bible study. We met at the church, so... The way it worked out, cars, there was only on-street parking. So I would park along the street in my 
big red Chevy four-wheel drive with the Virginia license plates on it. Totally stuck out. And I, the time that I would get there every week, it just worked out. I always parked in the same spot, and it was right on the corner. And there was a low stone wall that went around the churchyard, and there was a group of teenage boys that hung out on that corner sitting on that wall. Every week, I saw those guys sitting there because they were right in front of me when I'd park. And I'd park, and I'd walk by, and I'd say, hey. And I'd go on and go into church and do what I do. So one of the men in the Bible study group mentioned those boys when he came in. He was late, and he came in, and he said, you know, those kids always sit out there on the corner. They're always out there. Somebody should minister to them. Somebody should, somebody should reach out to them. And everybody kind of looked at each other and said, oh, are those brownies? And, <laughs> you know, just let's, let's just go on with our study. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're studying the Sermon on the Mount tonight, so moving on. And, yeah. and I didn't hear anything else they said that night. All I heard was when Jay said, somebody should reach out to them. And it just would not let me go. And for a week, it just kept, I just kept hearing that. Somebody should reach out to those kids. Somebody should reach out to those kids. Now, I was, keep in mind, I was a recent college graduate with a professional degree and a professional job. I wore a tie to work every day. I have achieved, this is what I'm thinking in my mind as I sit here in shorts. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I am beyond teenagers. Literally. Like, this is what, I'm just being honest. This is what was going on in my head. I'm too good for this. But it just wouldn't let me go. Just this idea. And I, I could see all of their faces in my mind and it just wouldn't let me go and so this is a little silly but I'm going to tell this story too I was praying about it and driving and it was kind of late at night and so my radio in my truck had a scan feature where it would just roll through the stations and in Philadelphia there's a lot more stations than there are here so it's not like pause station pause it was just one thing right after another because I, I couldn't find anything that satisfied me. There was this restlessness within me and nothing that was... And so I turned on the radio to try to fill the space. And I couldn't find a station that I wanted to listen to. Because nothing was satisfying me. I was just so ill at ease about this whole thing. And it was rolling along. And I know this is silly. But as it was rolling along, I was praying, God, really? Really? Like, this is really... You want me to... Really? And the scanner stopped on a talk, one of these call-in advice shows where you call in and get financial assistance or what you should do with your money, whatever. And so I'm praying this prayer, and the radio's not catching on anything. There was just dead air, which is really weird in a major metropolitan area. And so I pray this prayer, God, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. And it stopped on this talk radio show. And this guy, and of course, sometimes they can be a little bit belligerent on these shows, Mm -hmm. but the host said, listen, fella, I've already told you what I want you to do. Now hang up the phone and go do it. And then the radio moved on into dead air. Now, am I saying that that was the Lord? (laughs) He can use those things for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying it was the Lord, but I'm not saying it wasn't. (laughs) I don't know. So, still not convinced on the next night that we had meeting i was driving to the bible study and sure enough i pull up and all those guys are sitting on the wall they're all right there together and it was kind of a tough neighborhood and they looked like kind of tough neighborhood people living you know kids sitting on the church wall so i pull up and there they are 
And I say to the Lord, all right, look, if I'm going to have anything to do with these guys, you are going to have to instigate a conversation because I can't do this. So I got out of the truck, shut the door. I did what I've done every week so far. I walk around, I say, hey, and I walk by. And as I'm walking by, I hear the big one stand up. And he says, you're not from around here, are you? So now I have a choice to make because I said, if we're going to have anything, you're going to have to instigate a conversation. (laughs) And now the big guy is asking me a question, which I'm pretty sure constitutes a conversation. So I turn around, I looked at him, and I said, why would you say that? Thinking, you know, pickup truck, Virginia license plates. Why would y'all say? Yeah, why would y'all say something like that? (laughs) And you know what his answer was? People around here don't talk to us. Wow. And it wasn't like people around here are afraid to talk to us. It was people around here don't don't bother to talk to us. So I know you're not from around here. And I said, well, that's, that's too bad. And he said, what are you doing here? You come in here every week. What is it that you do here? So I walked over to where they were, and I sat down on the wall, and I started a conversation about Jesus that lasted three years. Wow. And they were all 16, and they were all neighborhood kids, and there were seven of them. Six of them are now in full-time ministry. Wow. You have nothing to share. Well, no, that's not me. (laughs) I didn't do that. It's his story in your life. It's his story, but... He did instigate the conversation. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I'm really proud of those guys. And I've, I've tried to keep up with them. We, it's Life happens, and we moved back here after three years. That so. girl that you liked to Oh, yeah, youth group girl? Uh-huh. Yeah, we got married. Okay, I was just want to make sure we got that yes. in on this we got married. She, she joined in on that. This all happened before we got married. It was the summer before we got married. And then we got married in the fall of that year. So I was hosting those boys me and another guy it wasn't just me there was another guy from the bible study group and the two of us would host those guys for a bible study and it was an incredible season of growth for me i'm sure i've long heard and can fully attest if you want to learn something teach it and if you really want to learn something teach it to a teenager yeah because you're going to get questions that are really solid and good that you typically wouldn't think of And that seeking, that depth was just incredible. I think as I listen to this story about these young men, um, I think about the world we're living in now. And I'm challenged. um, And I hope those that are listening are challenged to be aware of opportunities around us that we don't see as opportunities. Um, Maybe there's fear. Maybe um, we just have never thought that we, that God would use us in that situation. Um, who do we walk past? Um, and I love the fact that you were willing to say to God, "Hey, you'll have to do something here." Um, God loves that stuff. You know, I I think of Henry Blackaby wrote Experiencing God. You know, I've did that Bible study. I don't know how many times, but you know, Henry Blackaby said that we usually don't have to bring it up. We just look where God's working and we join him. Yeah. He was working and it can be through one person makes one remark and we can't get it out of our mind and it becomes a calling. Yeah. It's one pebble in the pond and the waves yeah. just keep rippling out and from there. And what a positive story for today mm-hmm. and one that is going to cause me to think about that when I walk past someone, especially if I do it a couple of times, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, God usually has to get it to me two or three times before I'll catch it. Yeah. 
but and I'm that, not proud of that. That's just the way. It, yeah. It's just the way I am. Well, and just to see how that has that started a ministry that continues on today. Um, I know over the years you were here at HFCN before you went to Livingstone, you spoke into a lot of young men's lives, and I know that you're, you still do that. Um, so I'm grateful that you had parents that took you to church and gave you the foundation. The Me word too. of God does not return void, Isaiah 55. And your story is a story that changed the lives of young men, not just that day, but throughout the years, and young women as well. God has used that, and he continues to use that as you're in full-time ministry. So that is powerful and a great testimony for those that think maybe they have nothing to give. And boy, if we will surrender that nothing that we think we have to give to God, he can make something out of it that will make lives different. All glory to God. Amen. (laughs) Pastor Drew, thank you for joining us today on Front Porch Talks. It's been a joy to hear your testimony and somewhere down the road we'll have to have you back because there's 20 more years you, you have you said you had nothing to share and i think you had more than we have time for today so uh thank you again for sharing with us thanks for having me grayson margaret it's been great to be with you yeah it's Both. been great thanks for being here thank you for listening to today's broadcast of front porch talks i pray that as you listen to pastor drew ritter's testimony that it's been a half hour of hope for your life may god bless Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.